when all grows dark. From There Is Nothing to Fear by Santissime, read by Sam Gabriel, based on the works of J.K. Rowling. Nineteen eighty-one. Lily wasn't sure when she'd stopped thinking of it as Severus's house. Where she'd stopped thinking like that was easier to figure out. The potions lab, which is where she and Severus had spent most of their time anyway. In the early days before James arrived, they might well have pulled up a pair of cots and never left it, if it hadn't been for Marlene spending the better part of three weeks mothering the two of them into decent habits. She was still doing more than her share of the cooking and washing up. Lily had initially balked when Dumbledore assigned Marlene to Spinner's End, for all that the two of them were friends, because she knew what Marlene had gotten for a potions owl, and there wasn't a point, was there, to brewing for the Aurora Aurorium if the result might kill as easily as cure, which at the time she thought was still week one, and that she realized she and Severus had possibly been working themselves into early graves. At that point, Lily was pretty sure... She was thinking of the house in terms of the lab and everything that wasn't the lab. Then James had come into the picture, and like hell was Lily going to let Marlene take another item of responsibility when she was overworked as it was. Neither was she going to inflict Severus and James on each other. One was her friend and the other, well, no dying man deserved that. Sometime after that, sometime after all the good mornings had transformed into I love yous and the how are you feeling todays had become impassioned kisses— and the poor sick bloke in the bed had become the father of my child. Sometime around all that, probably, was when she started thinking of Spinner's End as home, and of course, Severus was the godfather, of course. Today was a break day, which meant no awkward hairy-juggling in order to manage the problem that one adult in this house already had enough to do, another was barely capable of keeping himself alive without supervision, and the other two were responsible for most of the Aurora's potions— the wireless had been on all day, since you could answer quizzing world questions whether or not your arms were full of baby, but then the station had gone to the Tomorrow program, and if there was one thing that everyone could all agree on, it was that divination was worth a steaming pile of shite. Though there were a few other matters that could inspire their concord these days, actually, and they were getting to the point, in fact, that Lily no longer felt she was tempting fate by acknowledging, at least in her head, that everyone was getting along. Chess was another field of agreement. For instance, James, it turned out, knew of a three-player variant, played on a hexagonal board with oddly contorted spaces, and it had been simple enough to transfigure the right kind of board and a set of red pieces. The only tricky bit was figuring out how the knight was supposed to move whenever he strayed near the center, which looked mostly like a chessboard, but a little bit like the eye of an insomniac goblin. It took some getting used to as well that none of them could move quite as they wanted. If black captured white, it couldn't do so again until it had captured red. Sometimes it was impossible to defend a piece, and sometimes even trying would only put more pieces in danger. In those situations, she could only accept the inevitable loss and prepare for the time when she could act. The first game of the evening was a confusing mess that Severus won by a hair, and they were just about near the end of the second when they were interrupted. The fireplace went green, and Dumbledore strode out, waving to them in greeting and patting down the sleeves of his robes, and somehow combining them into one motion— "'James, Lily,' he said immediately. "'And then, where is your son?' "'Napping,' Lily said, and something about the answer seemed to relax Dumbledore just a little, as though he were carrying a mountain, but somebody had knocked a few pebbles off the top. "'I need to speak with you two, if you can spare the time.' 
James blinked. Might be hard, but I'll try to squeeze you in between feverish hallucinations and my fifth trip to the water closet. He coughed and Lily tensed, but the moment passed, and it failed to progress into anything worse. Well, I guess we could talk now. Excellent, Dumbledore said. He smiled, but it didn't reach his eyes. I apologize for the failure to notify you ahead of time, but events are progressing rapidly, and I may not have an opportunity to discuss this with you later. Severus, my boy, could you give us a moment? Severus, James said intently, can stay. And Lily let go of attention she hadn't realized she'd been holding. Very well. Dumbledore cleared the table of its chess pieces with a gesture, then retrieved something from inside his robes, flowing falling from his hands like soft molten silver, the potter's cloak. There is something I need to show you, something you deserve to know. Dumbledore spread it gently across the table, smoothed out the wrinkles, and pointed to one corner of the cloak. It took Lily a moment to understand what Dumbledore was referring to, so faded was the symbol, a triangle, a circle, and a line. The hollow's brand, she murmured. But this could not possibly have been in Grindelwald's possession, Severus protested, and James nodded. It's an actual hollow, isn't it? she whispered. Oh, it could have been a forgery or some kind of mock-up, but the cloak had lasted through so many generations of James's family, long enough that it was simply an heirloom, bereft of any story of its providence, and all without losing its strength, as other cloaks did. It seemed unlikely, now that the question was posed, that someone else would make such a thing and then pass it off as someone else's work. Dumbledore agreed at any rate, and that was worth something in her books. I trust you are all familiar with the story of the Peverells, and what they won from death. It is doubtful that there was any such contest in truth, but the accretion of myth does not lessen from the fact that the Hallows themselves exist, or that their powers have tempted many. It was James who spoke up next. Riddle knew, didn't he? He said, voice quavering, and Dumbledore inclined his head with empathetic sorrow. I believe that to be the case. That is, in fact, why we are having this conversation. Dumbledore fell quiet, and the silence grew long and wide between them like a great gulf before he spoke and broke it. The war is not going well. I have contingencies in place, and I have little doubt in our eventual victory. But this is a war that will be won by inches, not yards. And there may come a time when it is important that you understand what is at the heart of this. It was a sobering declaration to hear, even if Dumbledore tried to soften it with that little doubt stuff. But then this was Britain, Lily decided, and that would be enough. We beat Hitler, didn't we? And Riddle might have magic, but we've got magic too. We'll get him in the end. Severus peered at her with curiosity, but said nothing and then Dumbledore withdrew a photograph and placed it on the table. James scowled. Severus turned stony, as sure a tell as any for those who knew him as Lily did. She was unsure what emotion betrayed itself on her own face, but hoped that it was her anger and not her worry. The photograph had been taken during a session of the whizzing gamut, if the robes were any indication, but only Tom Riddle was in focus, lips moving and eyes to the side as if speaking with someone beyond the edge of the photograph. He cut a stark figure, lean and hard, 
and at first Lily's eyes fell on the lion-headed torque that wreathed his neck. But Dumbledore directed their attention to a ring on Riddle's hand which bore the same Hallows brand as James's cloak. As Lily studied the photograph, Riddle caught her gaze and returned it with a cold smile. His hand shifted position, and the ring which it bore was turned out of view. "'This is an old photograph,' Dumbledore said. "'I imagine he stopped wearing that ring openly around the time it no longer amused him to remind pure-blood society that the last heir of Salazar Slytherin was a half-blood. I am certain that it remains in his possession, however. It may even still be on his hand, enchanted so as to be concealed. It was no wand, which meant—' "'That's the Resurrection Stone,' Lily said. Fifteen points to Gryffindor,' Dumbledore said. And she smiled briefly. "'But Riddle doesn't have anything like an army of Inferi. Not like it's supposed that Grindelwald wanted to do. And I wouldn't put it past Riddle to do such a thing if it were in his power. Which means that it can't do that. Or he doesn't know how to make it so. I am unsure what powers it possesses.' though the thought that it might let us speak to the departed is an attractive one, Dumbledore said. Nevertheless, I doubt that it permits anything so crude as the mass enchantment of Inferi. Such a thing is not even hinted at in legends, for all that Grindelwald desired it so. Even if Riddle is only able to converse with shades, that is hardly a comfort, said Severus. It is disturbing to contemplate that the knowledge of Merlin and Virgilius might be in his hands, and if the dead cannot be forced, then there are still dark witches and wizards who would have no compunctions against sharing their lore with him. James reached out his hand and touched the photograph lightly with a finger. Why are you telling us this? His shoulders sagged, and Lily worried for a moment that they were heading into one of his bad days, when James was so weak that he seemed half empty. But James seemed to rally himself, and it appeared to pass. "'You don't expect us to do something about this?' "'Not with me like this and the rest of the house cooped up unless they want a memory charm.' Dumbledore sighed. "'I thought that you deserved to know, James, especially with your son. If you plan for him to inherit the cloak, then you ought to know what that means.' But even if you do not, then you should still know why it was that I could not let Riddle know you had survived. Then why now? Dumbledore was still for a moment. The conduct of this conflict has not necessarily been to our advantage. Riddle is growing ever bolder, and I fear he will soon act openly, so that his insurgency turns to civil war. If that happens, when that happens, I may ask something of you— and I may not have the opportunity to explain my reasons. It is my hope that you will remember our conversation today, remember what the stakes may be, and act thusly. If I am still able to act, James said. Lily flinched, but Dumbledore seemed imperturbable. I did not ask only to speak with you, he said. There are three hollows, Lily said. If Riddle has one, and thinks that the second is lost somewhere in the Kilder Forest. Then he must be looking for the third. Do we know what happens to it? Dumbledore glanced at James. It was once the tradition amongst Hogwarts graduates to embark on a grand tour of the world, or at least those parts of it that entranced them. 
Such things were no longer in vogue by the time that Riddle graduated, but he departed to foreign shores nevertheless. The war against Grindelwald had just concluded, and he believed it likely that the Elder One's bearer would have been drawn to such a scene as surely as ravens circle a battlefield. Was he right? Given the facts he likely had at hand, I cannot fault his thinking, more I cannot say, except that I do not believe he found the Elder Wand. Then who has it? I can't say. It need not exist any more. If Britain were fortunate, its bearer would have snapped the thing a long time ago. But wands have a will of their own, and wizards have a talent for justifying the unjustifiable all on their own. That isn't very reassuring. The truth rarely is, Dumbledore replied, though Lily couldn't shake the feeling that he was leaving out a crucial piece of information, some lead on its current whereabouts, perhaps, though he was probably right to keep that from them. He shifted where he stood, as though readjusting the mountain that had settled on his shoulders, then continued, I needn't tell you to keep it secret or safe. I have said as much in the past, and you would do so even if I hadn't. You deserve to know all that I can tell you, however, and I hope that it is clear now why your existence has to remain hidden, why Harry's parentage, too, must be kept under wraps until this affair is over. It was, unfortunately. As long as Riddle thought his quest for the Deathly Hallows was secret, it would be easier to glean the purpose behind some of his actions. It might even be possible to manipulate him, Lily saw. But Riddle wasn't stupid. If he knew that others knew— then he'd account for that. The knowledge might not be entirely wasted. Surely he wouldn't stop wanting the hallows so easily, but he would make an effort to obscure his purposes, and he would not be so easily baited into a trap. That may be a very long time, Severus observed. Needs must when the devil drives, Dumbledore replied. And Lily raised her eyebrows at such a curiously mugglish phrase. A dark expression fell across Dumbledore's face, and he stood from the table. And he draves even now. I must take my leave. There were preparations to make for the coming school year, and meetings with the minister, and— Oh, James, he said, and then— Lily, Severus, I am so sorry for the burdens I have put upon your shoulders. He folded the cloak, pressed it into James's hands— and departed through the flow. That was the last time that Lily would see Dumbledore. For the full text of this and other stories by the same author, visit the archive of our own page of Call Me Day. The music is Amon Ra by Day's Witch, under a Creative Commons license, with assistance from 1T1. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch with me using the contact information on my website, which is located at sangabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.